Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It took me longer than it should have to realize what I'm feeling is grief. We're doing a heroic job finding new ways to be together while apart. The sight of you singing hymns in your individual Hollywood squares feels like warm honey being poured over my heart. In our first poems to go on gathering last Monday, I felt new friendships emerging. When your voices come to me through phone and computer, something brittle softens. And when I imagine the virus burning itself out, the jubilation and thanksgiving as we fill the sanctuary again, and being able to hug you, my eyes fill with tears of joy. I miss you so much. What have we lost? The rhythm of our routines, an unconscious trust that cause and effect are in order or that we can control outcomes. We've lost certainty. Even if none of that's ever really true, we've lost the illusion. Even if we are not yet grieving a death from this virus, we are grieving the world in which that was unimaginable. We are grieving in this unimaginable world. Grief is a signal flare powered by love, the suffering we feel when someone or something we love is taken from us or disappears. And grief is just the name we give to a whole trash can of emotions, shock, disbelief, anger, guilt, and profound sadness. Grief unmoors us. There is no bottom. And if we've ever doubted the mind, body, spirit connection, grief brings us up sharply, dis disrupting our physical health. We struggle to sleep or sleep all the time. We've lost our appetite or eat ourselves out of house and home. And our own mind becomes a very bad neighborhood to walk around in. We may wonder, why do I feel this bad? This just isn't that bad for me. But there are other forces at work. Welch poet Dylan Thomas wrote my favorite line about grief. He said, after the first death, the first death, there is no other. I think he meant that our griefs compound, each one awakening all those that have gone before. 
My friend Peter, who was on the front lines of the AIDS pandemic, told the story of grocery shopping and finding a rotten melon in the produce section. He lifted it gently and stood stricken, tears streaming down his face. Grief sneaks up on us, and God forbid if we don't feel the feelings right then and there, I promise you they will lie in wait and when we're least expecting them, leap out like a boogeyman from a dark closet. Unresolved grief festers and manifests in the ugliest of ways, as intrusive thoughts, depression, substance abuse, and poor health. Here are guidelines for living through grief. Acknowledge your suffering. Know that grief can set off many and varied emotions, including diffidence, terror, fury, and anguish. Understand that your grief is all yours. It may look very different from others' grief. Speak up and seek support from those you love. Remember that a text or a postcard is helpful. A phone call can be a lifeline. Go easy and take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Start by creating a routine of sleeping, eating, connecting, exercising if you can, work on something or doing something meaningful. Dig deep in your spiritual practice. Get outside for some fresh air. Do things that bring you joy. Do not self-medicate. It will only delay your healing. Did I say, be kind to yourself. Some of you remember the September I returned from vacation having shattered my left wrist falling down a waterfall. I had a stainless steel erector set on my arm called a fixator, a kind of external skeleton. Everywhere I went, people stopped to talk to me about it. They wanted to know what had happened, and they wanted to tell me what had happened to them. Some of their boo-boos were also physical, but as we talked, it became apparent that many of them were so much more. We talked about the pain of broken bones and broken hearts. It was tender and moving to be, as I experienced it, in the great company of the bereaved. I was so excited the day the fixator finally came off and I went back out into the world with a simple brace on my arm. I had not cried once during the injury, setting, re-breaking, surgery, resetting, and all those months of healing, but suddenly, I was on the verge of tears all the time. No one was talking to me. And I realized that I still had a boo-boo, but no one could see it. And you still had a boo-boo, but no one could see it. And it wasn't my arm or yours. We are all in the great company of the bereaved going about our days with brave faces and our tender, broken, broken, open hearts. Swiss American psychiatrist and pioneer in dying and death, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, taught that grief comes in stages. 
but I feel it comes in waves. The process of grieving is like riding a roller coaster, ups and downs, highs and lows, and a few wild curves thrown in for good measure. The grief roller coaster ride is also the roughest at the outset, with the lows lower and longer. How do we hold on? Counterintuitively, we need to let go. If we cling too tightly, we delay the inevitable stepping off the map of our known universe and wandering bravely, if shakily, into an uncharted future. My strategy is to reflect deeply on the essence of what I love that has been lost and to make a decision about how I intend to carry that forward. Perhaps like me, some of the best parts of you are the parts of those we loved that we carry on. Gratitude heals. The strongest markers of this grief that so many of us are carrying now are anxiety and fear, fear and anxiety, natural reactions to being profoundly destabilized as the landscape of the virus changes daily, if not hourly. I learned a breathing kind of singing technique from Emma Doyle, a yoga teacher and surfer on Cape Cod who witnessed the shark attack two summers ago that took the life of Arthur Medici. Emma writes, after Arthur died, anxiety hummed like a baseline through my body, accentuated by panic attacks when I tried to get back in the water. What had been a safe and therapeutic place became my worst nightmare. My imagination ran wild. My breath would quicken, my vision narrow, and I'd lose feeling in my face and fingers. Emma went to a free community meeting hosted by psychologist Peter Levine to help people begin to heal their trauma and grief. She writes, Dr. Levine asked us to tell of our experience. The room was quiet. I looked around, unsure of what I would say if I opened my mouth. My vision narrowed again. I began to cry and then breathe more quickly unable to control myself. I felt the whole room turn toward me. Shame and terror flooded my body. Dr. Levine spoke to me gently. His request was simple. Breathe in deeply, he instructed. Then say the word voo, V-O-O, voo, as long as possible. It barely came out at first. Voo. Let's try it together. Let's breathe in and voo. Ready? Voo. And then you can add a single note to it. Ready? After a few more tries with Dr. Levine vooing with me, I began to calm down. 
My chest stopped heaving, my breathing steadied, and the crying stopped. The Vu breath is a practice for de-escalating anxiety. When we're feeling off kilter, it may not be possible to use our usual coping mechanisms. Going to the gym or meeting with friends are off the table. For this time in our lives, we can develop other simple practices to help us cope. Emma Doyle concludes, when anxiety rides high, practice this. Inhale steadily and then sing the word vu as long as you can. Repeat until you feel calmer. Shall we do it again together now? Ready? Good. Perhaps the most incongruous thing I would lift up about this grief we're all navigating now is the way it finds healing in humor. I appreciate so much the memes we've been circulating and the release of a big laugh. Thanks to those of you who sent me the tabby cat looking wet and rumpled and in no way pleased with the caption, when you work from home and somebody wants to have a video call. The list of worship planning resources for these times with hymns to avoid. Breathe on me, breath of God. Nope. Just a closer walk with thee. Nope. The hairstylist who is doing her boyfriend's hair every day they are in quarantine. So far, he appears as Princess Leia, Amy Winehouse, George Washington, and Cindy Lou Who. And my favorite so far, you're just going to have to picture this photo of some poor person captioned, when your hair salon is closed, but your dog groomer has a cancellation. Think poodle, poodle cut. It's okay to laugh. Beloved spiritual companions, I close now with lines from a letter written in 1513 by Franciscan friar Fra Giovanni Giocondo. I salute you. I am your friend and my love for you goes deep. There is nothing I can give you which you do not have. But there is much, very much, that while I cannot give it, you can take. No heaven can come to us unless our hearts find rest in today. Take heaven. No peace lies in the future that is not hidden in the present. Take peace. There is a radiance and glory in the darkness, could we but see. And to see, we have only to look. I beseech you to look. Life is so full of meaning and purpose, so full of beauty. Courage, then, to claim it. And the knowledge that we are pilgrims together wending through unknown country, home. I love you. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.